You're listening to Connect Communities Podcast, recorded live in Stamford, Connecticut. If you'd like to know more about our community, stop by our website at www.connectcommunity.tv. Enjoy the message. All right, Better Perspectives. We kind of introduced the series last week with a short 15-minute preview of the message but of the series. But I want to, I want to uh, share with you a message today that, that has been brewing in my heart. And I believe it'll, it'll, it'll bless you. So if, if you can give me your attention for the next few minutes, um, take notes if you can. Uh, we're going to go to a few places in the Bible. But the main passage we're reading from is chapter 3 of the Dan- book of Daniel in the Old Testament. Uh, but let me ask you a question. How many of you have thought at some point in your life, or maybe even right now, I wish things were different. I wish things were different. And when, when, we, when we face a situation like that, when we, when we encounter a situation like that, this is what we realize. Not everything is up to us. Not everything is up to you. You can't control everything that happens to you. Right? Some things are set. You'll never be able to change them. Like, I have three daughters. Um, Maya is my eldest. She's my firstborn. And then I have twin girls, Chloe and Peyton. Maya is always going to be the firstborn. She's going, always going to be the first one. There's no changing that. She's always going to be the one who will break us as parents into the new seasons of life. She's 10 years old now. I've never had a 10-year-old. I'm learning how to be a 10-year-old parent or a parent of a 10-year-old. And by the time... The younger girls come through, we'll feel like we're probably there already, right? But she is always going to be the first one. She's the one who's going to get the raw parenting, right? Like she's the one who, and if you're an older sibling, you know not only that your parents had the tryout with you, (laughs) but that your younger siblings kind of looked up to you. You were the example. You're the one they copied. Whether you were the good sibling or the fun sibling, (laughs) they looked up to you. The same thing for Chloe and Peyton, my younger ones. They're twins. For the rest of Chloe's life, there's going to be another human roaming the earth that looks just like her. Because they're identical. But not only are they identical, they're so different. They're identical just outside. They're so different on the inside. They're completely different people. But Peyton is always going to deal with the inevitable question, which one are you? And they're starting to have fun with that. Like, they're loving it. Some things were set here, were set before you even arrived on this earth. Now, other things beyond that are beyond your control because they were not up to you. Somebody else made a decision. Somebody else made the choice. And whether you like it or not, ultimately, if that thing is going to be good or not, it's going to depend on your perspective. And I say ultimately because when it's all said and done, we believe that God works all things together for good of those who... uh, Trust him, right? So just a reminder that your perspective is important, but your perspective, your perspective is not your ability to see. That's not your perspective. Your perspective is not even what you see, meaning if you, if you are to have a new perspective, a better perspective, it doesn't mean that you have to have a new object or a new thing for you to look at. A better perspective, a perspective is how you see something. And so a better perspective is a better way to see the same thing. And for that, when we talk about perspectives, I believe the world is divided between two main categories. Right? Every single one of us, 
We either lean one way or the other. And, and that depends on how you're going to, it's going to shape your perspectives. There's two categories in the world. There are the optimists, and then there are the pessimists, right? And generally speaking, optimists think optimism is better, and pessimism is bad. And optimists think that pessimists are a drag, and all their opinions are against the, the optimists' opinions. On the, other land, on the other hand, pessimists think that optimists live in la-la land. That people who are optimists, they are a liability. They are reckless. They are a potential hazard sometimes. Because optimists look at opportunities and dream of possibilities. And pessimists look at opportunities and immediately begin calculating risks. Right? It's like this. Opti optimists go up a mountain. And as they're going up the mountain, they imagine the view. They imagine the birds. They imagine the clouds. They imagine what they're going to achieve. Pessimists going up the mountain, they think there's no guardrail. The gravel is slippery. We're too close to the cliff. You're about to see a different view if you don't pay attention. Right? Now, both have value. Both have extreme value. Because... You want optimists in your life encouraging you. You want optimists leading a company. You want optimists leading the sales team, telling you can make it, right? You don't want an optimist building an airplane. Is that wing big enough? Sure, yeah, it is. Have you done the calculations? Who needs that? <laughs> now, which one are you? We are that one or the other, right? Maybe you might be a blend of one. And the other, a little bit more of an optimist or a pessimist. This matters because we make decisions based on our perspective. Trivial decisions, important decisions, simple decisions, complex decisions. We make them based on our perspective. And what informs our perspective is a combination of our reason and our emotions. Every single one of us. Our perspective is informed by reason and emotion. And that's how we make our decisions. Now, here's a question for you. If you believe in God, can you be an optimist and be full of faith? Let me see hands. Do you think an optimist can be full of faith? Okay. Now, do you think a pessimist can be full of faith? Oh. See, some people tend to confuse faith with optimism and blend the two. But let me, let me make this clear for you, for those of you watching as well. Faith is not thinking positive. It's not. Faith is not self-confidence. Faith is not believing in yourself. And if we don't, be, if you're not careful, we, we slide our definition of faith into the culture's definition of faith. Because what, what does the culture do? They, they use those interchangeably. You got to have faith. You got to think positive. How many times have you heard that? you got to have faith. you got to believe in yourself. Like the two are the same thing. Now, if you want to redefine faith, then okay. But it's important for us to know this because faith is a specific thing. Biblical faith is a specific thing def defined in the Bible. In Hebrew 11.6, Hebrews 11.6, it says this. Faith is believing God is and that He is a rewarder of those who seek after Him. He is a rewarder. So it also says in Hebrews 11.1 uh, 1, that faith is the assurance of things hoped for 
and the evidence of things unseen. But the, world, the way the world translates faith is something else is the assurance. Something else is the evidence. In other words, if thinking positive is faith, then positive thinking is the evidence of things unseen, is the assurance of what you hope for. If self-confidence is uh, faith, then, then self-confidence becomes the assurance, your assurance. And you, you, can, you can see how that will fail, right? But if faith means to believe God, that He is a rewarder, then the evidence is God's love. Then the evidence is the assurance that He's a rewarder of those who seek after Him and that He will reward. So what we do is when we face a trial, an obstacle, something that we can't control, we seek Him. We turn to Him because that's our faith. So practically, this is what, how it looks like. An optimist will pray, Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you will get me to the top of this mountain with joy and strength. Help me not be prideful. Help me not think that I did it on my own. But help me honor you, God, because this mountain is yours. Everything in it is yours. So thank you that I'm going to get to the top. The pessimist will pray, full of faith. Thank you, Lord, that we will get to the top of this mountain safely. That even though there's no guardrails, and even though the, the way might be difficult, you're going to get us there because you're guarding us and you're keeping us safe in your hands. And we will prevail over these obstacles and reach the top. Do you see how both can have faith? Because your faith is not in yourself. It's not rooted in your personality or your perspective, but it's, it's pointed to God. So yes, both can have a strong faith. So here's a follow-up question. How can you be full of faith when situations are out of your control? When things happen to you, things that you can't control? Somebody else's decision, like we spoke. I want to take you to a story in the book of Daniel. That'll probably uh, be a story that you've heard of before. Daniel is an interesting book. It has 12 chapters, but it's a unique book because the first six chapters of Daniel are historical. And the last six chapters of Daniel are prophetic. So they had visions and some crazy thing that, things that Daniel uh, dreamed about. But on the historical part, he tells sto uh, the, the story of uh, the beginning of the exile, how the Babylonian kingdom came and took over Israel and, and took the Jewish people and, and, and took them as captives. And Nebuchadnezzar was the king at that time. Nebuchadnezzar had, had risen to power. He used to be the general of the army. His dad died, so he took over Babylon, and Babylon became the lead world power. He was the king of the world, literally, after the Assyrian kingdom collapsed. So this is the king of the world coming into Israel, getting all the best and brightest from the land, and trying to turn them into the Babylonian ways. And so this is where we pick up the story, because when he besieged Israel, he took Daniel and three of his friends with him. And we know them as Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael in the Bible. Now, they were smart. They were educated. So the king took him and gave him Babylonian names. Daniel was named Belteshazzar. Hananiah was named Shadrach. Mishael was named Meshach. And Azariah was named Abednego. So those, those guys, uh, when, you, when you read those names in the Bible, they are the same people. Hananiah is Shadrach, Mishael, Meshach, Azariah, Abednego. 
And he put them in charge of different areas in the kingdom. Now I want you to keep in mind that these guys, they remained faithful. They were smart, successful. They gained respect and status in the foreigner country. And they remained faithful to God the whole time. Which means this, each and every one of us, we can grow in our careers. We can be successful. We can reach the top without having to compromise our faith. Without having to, to belittle our faith or our relationship with God. And that's what they did. So let's go to the, the text, uh, verse 8 of chapter 3. This is what happened. Let me give you a little bit of an of a, of a intro here because we're only going to read a small part of the text. By chapter 3, what King Nebuchadnezzar did when as he's, he was setting up his world kingdom, he set up a golden statue that was 90 feet high. And he issued an edict saying, every single person will bow and worship this God. Because this is the God that I have created for this nation. So you're going to worship this God. And this is where we pick up. Verse 8 of chapter 3 of Daniel. Therefore, at that time, certain Chaldeans came forward and maliciously accused the Jews. They declared to the king Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that every man who hears the sound of the horn, the pipe, the lyre, trigon, pipe, the harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoever does not fall down and worship uh, the golden image shall be cast into the burning, fiery furnace. There's, there are certain Jews whom you have appointed over the affairs of the province of Babylon. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, pay no attention to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. So you might read this, and this is so foreign to us, right? Because we have the privilege of living in a country that has a Christian worldview. And America does have a Christian worldview. We, we are still a Christian country. And when I say Christian, I don't mean that most people go to church. I mean that the laws are bound to a philosophy that's tied to the Christian philosophy. That's why when some of our laws are, are, are not good to people we've made mistakes right when some of our laws are not good to people where do people point to to say this is wrong they point to the christian worldview why do they point to when they are pointing at injustice happening in the world right now they point to the christian worldview it's not right why is it not right because uh that's the foundation of our of our nation so in in, in our mind like there's no way that somebody's going to set up a god and force us to worship it, it it's, it's really hard for us to understand but this text is pointing to days where that's what kingdoms did. That was one of the first things. If you, if, you, if you want to govern the world, you're not only going to govern from a political standpoint. You're going to govern from a religious standpoint as well. Rome was like that. Caesar was God. And so that's what he's doing. He, he, by rejecting the God is not a religious opinion. You're rejecting the king. You're rejecting the kingdom. You're rejecting everything that, that the, this kingdom represents. And you're going to meet the fury in the full force of the kingdom. So King Nebuchadnezzar gives them one more choice, one more chance, and one more, one more chance to bow down. And uh, look at what they said, how they responded to the king. Verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, they, they don't even call him king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, in other words, if you throw us in the fiery furnace, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And he will deliver us 
out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. They were basically like, not going to do it. Not going to do it. And every single one of us, we will go through a test similar to that. We're going to face a trial similar to that. For you, it might not be bowing down to a golden statue. It might not be being thrown in a fiery furnace. But it might be getting fired if you don't betray a friend. It might be being ostracized from your family because you decided to follow Jesus. It might be, you know, being canceled because of something you did or something you stood for. We live in a world that has its own forms of gods. They have its own forms of golden statues, its own forms of fiery furnaces. And here's the illusion. The illusion that we have is that we will get to somehow find a way to live for God, to live for more convictions, and not face the fire. It's not going to happen. I'm sorry to tell you the reality is we're all going to face it. You will face it sooner or later. Someone will expect you to be greedy and not have integrity. Someone will expect you to choose status and the bottom line over your family, over time with your kids, over your priorities. Someone will expect you to deny your faith in God or at least shut up about it, which is basically the same thing. And the sad reality is that most people in our world, that's what they just do. They just bow down. They just... Do whatever the Nebuchadnezzars in their lives say. Now let me, have you, let me help you get a better perspective for those moments when you face those. In John, Jesus says this, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of the water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. See, you have two perspectives we talked about, optimism and pessimism kind of shape them, right? But Jesus is setting a new way to see things here. He's saying, you're either born of the Spirit or you're born of the flesh. Now, we are all born of the flesh, right? But He's bringing a new way to live, a new way to face situations where you make decisions based either on the flesh or the Spirit. The Apostle Paul puts it this way. Galatians 5, verses 16 and 17. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. This means this, that those of you who have a relationship with God make every decision from these two main perspectives. You can either look at a situation with the eyes of the flesh or you can look at a situation with the eyes of the Spirit. And that will be the ruler with which you will measure every single thing and calculate your decisions. Now, have you noticed that? I don't know if you've noticed that. Think about being here this morning. If you look at being here this morning, watching, from the perspective of the flesh, you can say, man, it's Sunday. I should be asleep, having brunch, little croissant, right? A little omelet, huh? having some donuts. I, I could be somewhere else. Not church. That's the flesh. 
But if you think from the perspective of the spirit, you say, I'm a spiritual being. And I'm going to connect to my Heavenly Father. I'm going to start my week right, focusing in truth, focusing on justice, worshiping, praying, aligning my life with my Heavenly Father, aligning my life with the life of God so that I can grow in virtue, so that I can grow in faith. And that's what drove you here today. Because you looked at it from the perspective of the Spirit. And we make decisions all day like that, either based on the flesh or based on the Spirit. For everything. And if you're here today, if you're watching, the Spirit won. You might not even be a church person. You might be here because, you know, you, you felt like you needed to connect to God. That was God speaking to your spirit and saying, yes, do that. So living in the flesh makes dying to self painful. When people make every decision based on the flesh, going to church is a chore, man. Praying is a burden. Connecting to God is something that you feel like you have to do, but everything in you says no. It's a waste. It's heavy. You kind of have to drag yourself to it. That's the perspective of the flesh. But your spirit, your spirit understands that dying to self is an improvement. Dying to self is growth. So sure, you feel the sting on the flesh, but if your eyes are on the Spirit, if you're choosing to live by the Spirit, you realize that God is your source. That the more you grow toward Him, the more you become the person that He has called you to be. So you want to connect to God. You want to pray. You want to serve. You want to use your resources to give, to be with other people. You want to join a team at the church. <clears throat> because you want to help other people find life. You want to help other people connect to God. And listen, you will never say yes to the things of God in the flesh. Your flesh will scream no every single time. You can't, didn't come here today because of your flesh. No. You made your way here today because the Spirit called you. And your Spirit agreed with it. So you made a decision based on the Spirit. So you already won today. You already won. I want to close with this picture. Because the story didn't end there. I asked you on the outset if you ever wish something was different in your life. And I bet that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, they wished things, was, things were different. They didn't wake up that morning expecting to be thrown in a fiery furnace. They didn't wake up that morning thinking, man, I'm, I'm, I'm looking for something to... <laughs> to do today. I think I'm going to go jump in the fire. They, they didn't do that. Look at, look at what happened. The story continues. Verse 22. Because the king's order was urgent and the furnace overheated, the flame of the fire killed those men who took Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So even the men who took him in there died because of the fire. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound into the burning, fiery furnace. They had their clothes on, they had everything on, and they fell bound. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up in haste, and he declared to his counselors, Did we not cast three men into the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king. He answered, I see four men unbound, walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt, and the appearance of the fourth is like the son of the gods. I want you to notice two things in this story. The first is, like I said, 
These guys didn't go looking for a furnace to, a furnace to be thrown in. They weren't looking for trouble. It was just another day, and they were doing what they always did. What were they doing? Living by the Spirit. Honoring God. Choosing to do the right thing according to God's will. They knew that that's what had honored them. That's what got them to the position that they were in. And they kept doing that. That's all they were doing, living by the Spirit. So a situation came at them that they had no, no control over. A situation came at them. What did they do? They just kept doing what they always did. They kept doing the same thing. They kept living by the Spirit. You will have situations that, are, that will be out of control. You will have situations that will come at you. And what are you going to do? You should do what you always do. All you need to do is live by the Spirit. Because when you do, it means this. Your faith is not on yourself. Your faith is not on the king. Your faith is not on the golden statue. Your faith is not on the job. On the, on, your source is God. So when you put your faith in God, things will work on your behalf. And that's, that's the second thing. When your faith is in God, you might not be able to, to avoid the fire. But notice what happened to these men. They were thrown in the fire with their cloaks. They were thrown in the fire with their garments, with their Yeezys on their feet. The Jordans, maybe. And they fell bound. They bound them. But God, what God, God used what the enemy sent to destroy them, to deliver them. Did you notice that? God used the same fire that was meant to destroy them, actually deliver them. And that's the same for you. God will use what the enemy sent to destroy you, to free you. The only thing that burned from those men was what had them bound. The only thing that burned off were the ropes that were holding them together. That means this. Your marriage might be bound by discord. Your career might be bound by a greedy supervisor. Your finances might be bound by an undue burden that you didn't cause. Your health might be bound by a physical ailment. If you choose to live by the Spirit and not the flesh, if you put your faith in God, if you choose to live from this better perspective, you might be thrown bound in the fire. But God will use that fire to deliver you. God will use that fire to, to free you. The same fire that will use to cause hell in your life will be the fire that God will use to refine you, to make you better. Because on the other side of that fire, there will be a marriage fully restored without the bondage of discord. There will be a career free of greed. There will be finances that are blessed so you can be generous, be generous to somebody else. There will be a healthy body so that you can live a full life. God will not leave you alone in the fire. Don't forget this today. And in the end, you won't even smell like smoke. That's what the story tells us. They came out of the fire. They didn't even smell like smoke. What does that mean? There will be no scars. There will be no evidence of the enemy's attempt on your life. Or his plans on your life. Now, can you open your eyes and see with the eyes of faith the life that the Spirit has for you today? The life that God has for you today? Can you receive a divine perspective in your spirit today for your life? If you do, I believe. That with the eyes of faith, you will see a life that's blessed, 
and not curse on the other side of any situation that's coming at you. That, that God is for you. You'll be able to see it through every circumstance and not against you. That in Him you will find joy, peace, comfort, and strength. And that's a better perspective, isn't it? Do you receive it this morning? Amen. Amen. Worship guys. You guys can come. Awesome.